Hello, hello, hello. I am your peppermint hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth. In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood. To lick it right, lick it good, show you how to Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Mouth. Goosebumps. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center thanks to Carvana it doesn't get any better than this your favorite seat's the best spot in the house make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes there really is no place like home and speaking of home Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey there and welcome back, folks. Once again, I am your hostess with the mostest, Munoz. And how y'all doing? Did we did we survive the holiday? Like, are we, did we come out unscathed and like fully fed? I hope so for everyone's sake. I did. I had a lovely holiday with my mother and one of my best friends that ended in red wine and Bridgerton. Um, and I couldn't think of a more perfect way to do that. We are fully into the holiday. It's the holiday season and whoop-dee-doo and hickory dock. I really want to. So, well, you know, that's um, <laughs> we're going to stop right there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. If you're not already insane this holiday season like I am, I guess you're doing it right. As you all know, the other job out there keeps me crazily busy during December. And so if you're seeing a little less cooking content on the Instagrams, you have to forgive a bitch because she's busy. She's busy trying to make a dollar and do it all. And, you know, if I completely dedicated my life to creating content, which includes this podcast and the Instagram and working, I literally would never sleep. But I'm I'm trying to do it all. I'm trying to do it all for you out there. And I'm grateful for all the love that you all show me. Other than that, um, big news announcement. If, uh, if you've been with me for a long time, you know that uh, a few years ago, I did a documentary called Dear Santa that um, kind of chronicled my journey with the charity Operation Santa via the USPS. This holiday season, um, an episodic version of that, like kind of a continuation of that will be coming out. Don't ask me when. They have told me nothing. But I'm really excited to see it. It's just a continuation of that journey being the biggest, gayest elf in town. And I can't wait to see it myself. And I can't wait for you all to see it. But I need to get to the getting on because this week's guests are epic and you're not ready. So without further ado, please help me welcome the ones, the onlys, Camille Lindsley and Telly Justice. Say hi. 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 What's up? (laughs) 
morning. How are you? Good morning. Yes, good good morning. We are recording very <laughs> early in your mouth because it's the holiday and bitches are busy. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, thank you for being here. How are you? Fantastic. We're uh, we're busy building out our restaurant for the second time, which is always a fun you know, project to hurdle over, but we're doing it in the sassiest, most over-the-top way we can imagine and having a lot of fun doing it. So I love that. We had to build it out twice. (laughs) For the second time in forever. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Well, I'm so excited to have you here and thank you so much for giving me of your time out of your very, very busy schedule because y'all are busy. We have been talking for a minute, but I always say, you know, we always come together at the right moment when we need each other the most. So I am very honored to have you here. But before we get anywhere, I got to do what I have to do. And in the grand tradition of In Yo Mouth, I need to wish you happy National Moose Day! Moose! Moose, like, not like antlered moose? I was Um, wondering, like, like, what's the plural of moose? Who is she? (laughs) Moose? 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 Yes. Like Rhymes with. <laughs> are, are we are we big moose fans? Are we are are we the fan of the moose? You know, I love a great moose. It's so versatile. It's so dressed up. It's so accepting and casual, but also elegant. I don't know. It's light. It's fluffy. Yeah, it's, it's effervescent. Effort- what is it? Effortlessly chic. Effortlessly chic. Yeah, I feel like it's really easy to mess up moose, though. Sure. Um, Like, you really need a silky smooth. There used to be a restaurant here that kind of still exists, but I think they're pulling the wool over my eyes. It's called La La Bonne Soup, and iconic New York City restaurant. Been here forever. uh, Burnt down. They rebuilt it by these um, old French chefs. Uh, here on like what is it 55th and 6th and now it's called La Bonne or something I feel like it's under new mm-hmm. a new management new chefisms and uh, my point being is they had one of the best chocolate mousse Oof. I have ever it was silky and rich and like chocolate it's everything you want you know you you feel like you're eating you're eating chocolate silk or something like that and um and in this new version, unfortunately, they've gotten rid of it and and things have changed. So that's very, very sad. But yeah. I have their, uh, my, uh, my other point being is my sister-in-law gave me their cookbook many, many moons ago. And it was the first time I ever tried to make mousse and not knowing how to temper eggs. Oh. So I ended up with like scrambled eggs in oh, the mousse. Chocolate scrambled eggs, not as elegant. <laughs> not as elegant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now that we're talking about moose, and we could stop talking about it um, in a second, but like, are we? I mean, all I can think of is like chocolate moose, but I'm sure there's like strawberry moose out there and vanilla moose. Is vanilla yeah. moose panna cotta? What? 
Like, yeah, how many? Any other kind of mooses? There's not a vast moose. diversity of moose out there, <laughs> and that should change. Maybe we're the people to start this ball rolling. Yeah, like a, you know, like a really a big freaking gay moose extravaganza, like of like you know passion fruit moose and yes. like peanut butter moose, rainbow sherbet moose. Yeah. yeah, rainbow sherbet is that a thing? There's like no to make it happen. Yeah. There are smart yeah. people. There are scientists in this country that could figure this out for us. Well, you're a chef, so <laughs> <laughs> you can figure it out, honey. I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's absolutely right. Well, no matter what you celebrate out there, whether it's chocolate mousse, strawberry mousse, or or just pure mousse, right? Um, we we celebrate you on this day. See what I did there? I'm a poet and didn't even know it. <laughs> and moving right along into this day in gay history, did y'all know that in 1989, U.S. city of Columbus, Ohio, adopts a hate crimes bill, which includes sexual orientation? Yeah. There were many uh, fun facts for today. I thought this one was just very apropos for where we are in the world. For sure. You know? Yeah. And. And this is a this podcast is a relief from the news, but I always like to carry on a little bit of gay history, you know, to keep it alive and keep the kids informed. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so important, so important. Because because everything that's happening in the world, especially even in this city, the attack on the LGBTQ community that is ever so oddly present these yeah. days. Yeah. Um, I just think it's it's important to keep this at the forefront of our minds as we as we navigate, you know, the holiday spirit. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's so important to remember. I was two in 1989 and you would you would hope that it wouldn't still feel so uh, of the moment to discuss it. But, uh, you know, it's important to keep talking about these things. And empower newer history, too. Absolutely. Yeah, that's one. Of, that's the main reason that I do these little tidbits is because, um, you know, our history, albeit long, isn't necessarily documented very well. And so, you know, I even myself, every episode, I'm learning something and trying to like keep our history alive and present. But uh, to your point, I um, I was writing a post or I was talking to somebody about. You know, I came out in uh, 99, 2000, Mm -hmm. and um, traveling, navigating like Chelsea, Manhattan, uh, and this city as an out, very young gay person, Mm -hmm. um, I somehow felt safer then than I do now. Absolutely. Living in Midtown. Yeah, yeah. I absolutely, I I came out in 2005. And I, I feel a certain similarity to that. There was a, a a brashness and a momentum back then. You know, we were we were coming together and winning fights and winning rights, and it, it was a very empowering time. Um, and I feel like we're all searching for that that win right now. We're we're looking yeah. for that that uh, silver lining to how difficult the past couple of years have been for everybody. Do you think we become I? Wow, this just came into my head. Do you think we've become complacent or too comfortable? In, I, so, in some ways, I think, yeah, maybe. Um, I think that sometimes when there are not like um, 
really sort of tangible rights or like privileges to fight for. I think sometimes like it's, it's very difficult to fight for the intangible equity that a lot of people get to enjoy. Yeah. It's harder to fight for, um, the, the less, um, the less tangible levels of equality than the ones that are metric that you can point to and say, that's what I want. I want marriage equality. Let's go get it. It's harder to say, how do we fight for equality on the sidewalk, you know, or, um, I don't know. It's, we're also facing a situation where we, as, uh, such a, a growing, a quickly growing community and a very diverse community of different age groups, ability levels. Um, we're, I think having a moment where we're recognizing that just, uh, institutional equality isn't the same as equality in the workplace um, or equality in opportunities. Um, for instance, I would have back in 2005 never imagined as a as a trans woman um, owning a restaurant in New York City. That's like such a dream come true for me, and I never never imagined in a million years that that would be my reality. Now that I have it. I want more trans women to own restaurants and I want it to be easier to own restaurants and I want it to be more financially sustainable, more secure for our community to do these things. And so there's always this, this bigger fight. Every time you plateau, you you look up and you say, Oh crap, there's more, you know? And so I think that's where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, and we can, I mean, uh, in your mouth listeners, uh, if you're new here, I always start the podcast before I hit record telling my guests, I'm here. I'm not trying to be Barbara Walters. We're not going to get that deep. (laughs) And now here we are. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but uh, I I just thought it was important. Like, you know, I, I couldn't leave it behind in this moment. And, you know, I'll be 42 in a month. And I just remember as a young queer person, always at a protest and always like fighting and always feeling a larger like sense of togetherness than I, than I kind of feel now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I, and I'm wondering if the younger generations, um, not having lived through that and I'm not claiming to have lived through what my forefathers have lived through either, but you know, there's just not, it's not as present or prevalent now. And so there's just this comfortability and I'm like, well, hello, I was out in these streets, right. Getting locked out of city hall and and whatnot. And I don't even feel like I've done that much, you know, but I'll I'll sit at Julius and talk to people who were at the sip in and things like that. And like really have and, and learn. And so I don't know. I don't know, but we need to band together because mm-hmm. yeah. ain't nobody going to help us but us for yeah, sure 100%. yeah yeah i think historically our community it's it's largely been a survival community we've mm-hmm. banded together in our safe spaces all generations all walks of life mm-hmm. and we've we've created community together now that things have grown have become safer for us in a lot of ways um we can be selective about the community we draw around ourselves and so i i really love to talk to younger queers um, because for me, being around queer eldership as a young queer was so important. And I really love to encourage mm-hmm. um, the younger yeah. generation to seek out um, the elders 
they've gone through some shit. They've seen some stuff. They, they live the history. Lived the yeah. history. Did you just call me old? Right. <laughs> 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 oh my god! Um, yes. Oh my goodness. Well, you know what? To uh, uh, put a pin in this for the moment, we're just going to shout out our gay ancestors, our LGBTQ ancestors who fought the good fight for us and remember them in a way where we need to start coming together maybe a little bit more than we realize we're doing. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Right. But I want to get to the getting on because I am so excited to have you both here in your mouth, listeners. If you don't know, and you probably already do, Camille <laughs> Lindsley is a queer sommelier with an undeniable eye for the finer things. Despite the fact that she fell into restaurant work, Camille's passion for hospitality runs deep and demonstrates her love of community culture, and history. Trained as a sommelier, Camille believes in creating a wine culture that centers the sensual aspects of enjoying and sharing wine, the agricultural practices that strive for the harmonious and restorative relationship with the land, and is driven by curiosity and humility instead of dogma. Running the beverage program and front of house operation at Hags alongside her romantic partner, Camille is devoted to marrying the theater of fine dining with the care and compassion of queer hospitality. Now on to Chef Telly Justice is a proud trans woman who has been working in the food industry for over a decade and a half. After having worked at all levels of dining from anarchist vegan cafes to Michelin-starred restaurants, Telly has divided a food philosophy that puts people and relationships first, ego last. Expect deliciousness, thoughtfulness, and intentionality, queerness, and fun as the key touchstones of her menus. Her flagship restaurant, Hags, in the heart of the East Village, oscillates between serving flamboyant and outrageous tasting menus, as well as fun and inclusive pay-what-you-can meals. Neither menu styles are to be missed. Yes. I want to start at, how did y'all meet? Uh, yeah. We met the old-fashioned way. At a bar. Yeah. <laughs> oh, not not Tinder <laughs> or any one of the millions of apps? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Flesh to flesh, yes. <laughs> yes, flesh to flesh. It was where I was working at the time um, and where Telly had previously been the sous chef and mm -hmm. was returning to, to come back to work. So, um, yeah, I, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. And um, after going to liberal arts college, came back and really didn't use my degree at all. I always <laughs> joke that I was an English major. So naturally I uh, got into booze as a profession. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I heard a lot about telly before we actually met um, and always thought, wow, I, I can't wait to meet this person. And then, and then I walked through the door. I, um, from my side of the, the story, I had just gotten out of a long, very serious relationship. Um, I was living up in Philadelphia at the time and passionately, dramatically in the middle of the night, I threw all my stuff in my car and I drove from Philadelphia to Atlanta, Georgia. And in the middle of the night, definitely like a, maybe a little past last call, I was like, I'm in town. I need to go somewhere that is safe, somewhere that I can like get a drink. 
And I walked into the bar and Camille was sitting there and we immediately hit it off. And I remember being like, oh no, like I was supposed to be going through my single era. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But sometimes you just meet somebody and it clicks immediately. And we just had that connection. We've been since then. That was Mm -hmm. seven and a half years ago. I love that. I love that. I mean, what inspired the restaurant then? Because, you know, opening a restaurant, I'm, as you know, yeah. um, is no easy feat, especially in this city. For sure. Yeah. I think we can say this now because it's officially legalized, but it all stems from smoking weed together, um, getting a little stoned and having these crazy, like, fantasy conversations of like what would we do if we could do anything to give important context (laughs) it started off kind of crazy and we scaled it back telly is a pisces and i'm an aquarius so all we do is like live in our delusions and then sometimes (laughs) sometimes those delusions (laughs) manifest Manifest. into reality so so, uh yeah i don't i don't think you know we always had ambitions to to have some kind of um some kind of wacky weird restaurant adjacent project together never did we ever dream that it would be in new york city um and here we are yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, the the past seven and a half years of kind of like through the many decision tree moments of our lives kind of led us towards doing this thing in this place and it just feels so important and right and in the right moment for us so a little Incredible. bit chaotic, a little happenstance. All started with a little joint in Atlanta, <laughs> L- Georgia. <laughs> Listen, now that it's legal, I am an edible queen, honey. Okay? I love a sleepy time edible. You know, I'm trying to actually move away from the booze and just, um, you know, Absolutely. just live a, a little bit of an edible life. You know, you, you still have your a little bit of your wherewithal and no um, hangover no hangover no like tummy troubles you you know you remember the entire evening there's still a sense of control yeah you know (laughs) i love that um i i do need to put in a disclaimer here in the sense that if you live in a place where you know marijuana cannabis is not legal Please do not do that, right? We here at In Your Mouth, right? <laughs> and I'm sure um, the two of you at Hags will agree with me that we want, you to, we want you to be responsible out there. We want you to follow the law, all right? And do the right thing, okay? Okay. Where does the love of food come from? You know, <laughs> I think neither of us really came from a culinary family. I think a lot of... People in our industry have these like um, very generational relationships to food. And both of us kind of came to food on our own as young adults. Um, And I think in both cases, if I may speak for both of us, um, it was in uh, a practice of finding community and cooking for people like ourselves. So for me, I didn't even know how to use a microwave when I like... Uh, absconded from my hometown at 18 years old. I, I moved to Columbia, South Carolina, of all places. Uh, if you're listening from there, it's lovely. If you're not, I didn't enjoy it at all. Um, <laughs> but, you know, 
the the great thing about small towns and especially small southern towns is the queer communities in those spaces are so vibrant and so impactful and falling into queer community um, was a really exciting way to expand my vision of self and expand my life skills. So I learned how to cut a tomato. I learned how to make hummus um, at, at queer potlucks. I learned how to sear tofu and make tofu scramble, which was very, very important in 2005 to make tofu tofu scramble. scramble. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's really where the seed was planted for me for, for food and community um, was finding ways to connect with it through making sure other people were taken care of. Um, And I think that we've really sown that into the, the backbone of what hags is Um, food for us is about, nourishing community first and making people happy, making people feel safe and cared for. I love that. Do you know uh, Queer Potlucks is part of our queer history in the sense of that it's written about in many of these old, like, hostess um, yeah. hostess manuals and things from, like, the 50s and 60s? Yeah, yeah. We, we actually, when we were getting ready to open Hags, because the Queer Potluck was such a, like, inspiring a cultural phenomenon for the restaurant, we ended up doing some deep dive research into it. There's so and, much writing out there. Yeah, like a uh, history of, I think we read some really great article about lesbian potlucks. Lesbian uh, potlucks. And then there's um, this other book out there. I forget, forget what it's called right now. But the, uh, my favorite line is uh, the, the homosexual, right, will provide... Uh, a fantastic spread. I'm like paraphrasing here. The homosexual <laughs> will fa- will provide the, a most uh, fantastic spread as they're really proficient in the kitchen. But do not tell them any of your secrets. Because <laughs> they they have loose lips or something like that. No lies told, <laughs> right? No, no. <laughs> we love some hot goss. We. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love that. Isn't that great? Listen, before we cut out to the break, I always like to talk a little bit about coming out because we never know who's listening and who we can inspire. Uh, We don't qualify coming out stories on this podcast because everybody's journey is different. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering if you would share with me and the audience your coming out story. Totally. So I think, and this is true for a lot of trans uh, individuals, my coming out was incremental and gradual. So in 2005, um, you know, I was graduating high school. I was beginning to feel a little bit more um, secure in experimenting and communicating like my vision of self. Um, And I really committed to like leaving my hometown, burning a bunch of bridges, which thank God you don't have to do that kind of stuff anymore. But at the time that felt like the thing to do. And, you know, I came, I took a big breath and I came out to like one person as a bisexual. And I was like, oh, I'm so, I'm so like brave for that. Um, And, you know, those, those small victories are so important for, for building the, uh, for building the necessary confidence to push towards those thresholds of like, your most authentic self because it's in there. You know, you just have to peel back the layers until you get real freaky and real proud, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So that first coming out was my first 
stab at that. And then fast forward a couple of years, I think it was 2009 that I told the first person I knew um, in Atlanta, Georgia, that I think I'm a trans woman and I think I'm going to pursue transition. And that person also ended up being trans and we kind of started on our, our transition journeys together, which is always such a lovely, like kismet situation. Um, but even still, as a trans person, you're kind of continually coming out and it gets easier and it gets more fun as you go. Sometimes you can kind of delight in the shock or surprise in people's faces look like, Oh, I didn't, you know, I wasn't really like paying attention. Um, and so you can use it as, uh, uh, a moment of pride, a moment of shock. You can play with it. Um, but disclosing, which is such a, a big part of being trans in the trans community, um, you know, it's kind of a sacred right for us. It's not always easy, but this ability to reaffirm and always commit to your identity and your truth is like so important and powerful. I am just like, so proud of myself every day for living this life. Amen. Amen. Oh, God, I have to like the most anticlimactic <laughs> <laughs> story to follow that. Uh, uh, but again, we don't qualify stories here, true, you know? True. So your journey is your journey. So you're sweet to say. Thank you. Um, I, uh, I I came out later in life. I, I came out... Um, after Telly and I had started dating. And so my coming out was, was literally pretty anticlimactic in that sense where, you know, I, we were already dating for a little while. And, uh, so coming out to like my family was like, Hey, (laughs) (laughs) by the way, don't know if you know this, but I'm queer. And, (laughs) you know, it's like the, sometimes the, the kind of reaction that you want from like your mom of like, Oh yeah, I know it's <laughs> both like, you know, you can feel like you can breathe like a sigh of relief. Like, Oh, this is okay. Like nothing is really going to change in our relationship. I'm still going to have like a great relationship with my, with my family. But it's also sort of like, ah, I wish I had something more dramatic. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that for me, when I, was um growing up i i had a lot of queer elders in my life who saw something in me that i you know maybe didn't recognize in myself so readily and i feel so so grateful um yeah to have attended and um participated in many 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 queer potlucks um <laughs> that that certainly was a uh, yeah uh motivational for me to stick in the community yeah, I mean, to put a um, uh, a holiday season spin on it, you know, the, these are stories of queer family here and chosen family. Yeah. And um, I recently did something with the Ali Forney Center that helps um, provide resources to wow. LGBTQ homeless youth. And it was all about finding your family. And, you know, some of us are really lucky enough to have our blood family love us and or and or come to an understanding and a place of loving, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. of us. And a lot of us don't out there, you yeah. know, yeah. and 
we have to rely on our queer family and our chosen family, you know, for that support and that love and that fostering, you know, yes. my gay pa- you know, your gay parents or your queer parents or whatnot, you know, yes. like I always say, whether she knows it or not, Peppermint, my yes. proud trans woman, Peppermint was one of my, one of my gay moms, you know, one of my queer moms, whether she knows it or not, because I remember going to Lips all the time where she was performing and she'd always, she'd always be asking me to sing with her and do things. And so we became friendly like that. And she was at the time, the first drag performer I've ever met, Mm -hmm. you know, I was like, what is, what? Right. (laughs) And like kind of took me under her wing and, and all of that. And so um, it's important. These stories are important to hear. Um, especially of the trans experience in and out of the kitchen, you know, Uh, because that in itself, especially if you're behind the line in professional kitchens Mm -hmm. that are not your own, there's less of an understanding. And you made a good point of um, coming out as a process. And I've say it a lot, even, even at almost 42, I find myself like, having levels of coming out, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's not this one thing that happens and it's over. Totally. You know, totally. And so um, it's really important to recognize and accept within, within oneself, you know, because I feel like once you, once you have people like us telling you that you're like, Oh wait, maybe that is a thing. And, and you, you're a little bit more prepared for when this certain moment happens, you know, that you have to like come out, you're like, wait, coming out again, whether it's internally or externally. Sure. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's really important to note that it gets easier and easier and easier, and then it gets fun. And then it's just like, you know, you have moments where it's like breathing. It's just... And I feel like there's also this sense of um, once once it's figured out within yourself, there's a sense of grounding. Mm -hmm. And so the random assholes out there can't catch you totally yeah Yeah. like they can't catch you off guard you can be like yeah and great so yeah (laughs) deuces (laughs) right about it (laughs) yeah like what what are we doing here as long as you're in a safe situation you know what i mean yeah so i want to thank you for sharing that um i want to thank you for letting me um hold and carry your stories right it's very it's very important um and uh, very, very special because, like I said, we never know who's listening. I think now is the perfect and most like heartfelt holiday feeling to take a break. We all are going to go, you know, pour ourselves a, a cranberry Christmas holiday <laughs> cocktail, <laughs> listeners, and we'll be right back with my favorite part and your favorite part of the podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Camille and Telly, I hope you're ready for my favorite part and the audience's favorite part of the podcast. A little something we like to call Food News Update! 
You ain't ready, girl. Spill the tea. Artist creates concrete tomb for bag of flaming hot Cheetos. No. Don't put her in the ground. She's not done yet. She's got work to do. Because do she's got work to do. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, first and foremost, you all have to see this thing because it's like this 3,000 pound or ton sarcophagus that this person created. How many hot Cheetos are in there? One. What? One bag. It's like a time capsule. Oh my Deserving. God. <laughs> Deserving. Okay. I changed my mind. Yeah. You know, you know what? Unpopular opinion. Um, and I, I do enjoy a, a, a bag of flaming hot Cheetos, but yes. I Takis for the win. Talkies Sorry about it. And I'll go blue bag. I don't care. Yeah. Oh, blue bag. The blue Takis? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, no. I, oh no. I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. I okay. <laughs> It's already it's already unnatural enough. I don't I don't need the extra. <laughs> so I guess in the spirit of uh, Howard Carter, who spent thirty years uh, excavating sites throughout Egypt, and then like found discovered you know uh, King Tut's tomb. Yeah, this guy named uh, this artist, quote unquote, uh, named Sunday Nobody, decided to do in that spirit do the same thing right basically create this large tomb bury it for someone to find you know 3000 uh, 3000 years later <laughs> um and uh, the the cheetos is suspended inside the sarcophagus in resin so that way it's like earthquake proof and damage proof yeah oh, wow i love this right i think it's like Future future excavators are going to pop this in their mouth and go, could use some salt. Yeah, could, could yeah, could uh, could use a little bit more heat. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's right. elevated and seismically isolate, isolated so that if there were an earthquake, it wouldn't get damaged. The, you can find this uh, on TikTok. There's uh, a plaque at ground level that says "Do not open for ten thousand years," um, but nobody knows where it is. Um, the tomb cost 12 grand to make, which is cash that he saved from his full-time job as an animator. First and foremost, this thing took forever to make because he had to like pour the concrete and wait for it to dry and then do all this stuff. This costs money, honey. That's what I'm saying. I think if you're going to pour $12,000 into this, you should have suspended a family size bag in there. Yeah, because if you open that up, it's like who gets to eat that one cheeto? One bag. What? Like we have, we all have to share this one cheeto experience. <laughs> Unfair. Yeah. You know, and plus, I guess because it's in resin, it'll stay fresh because you have to like crack the resin open to actually eat it. But then again, a lot of these people who find these things, like you know, a ton of old whiskey has been found, and a, mm-hmm. like all sorts of old champagne from like the Titanic has been found. Oh, yeah. And I guess nobody really tries it, right? Oh, oh no. Yeah. You know it's gross. It's supposed to be in a personal museum or <laughs> Imagine a flaming hot <laughs> Cheeto in like the Louvre or something. <laughs> really? Like that's that's what we want to be remembered by? <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, my take is this. First of all, yes, Flaming Hot Cheetos are worthy of uh, immortalization, Mm -hmm. but I think that they would probably be preserved on their own without being suspended in a tomb. Facts are facts. Enough stuff going on there chemically that they're going to be fine a thousand years from now. Oh, yeah. Facts are facts. If you were to, if you had the chance to bury something like this, if Sunday nobody came to you and was like, you have one thing and one thing only to bury for somebody to find in 10,000 years. What would it be? Ooh, what a phenomenal question. That is a great question. I mean, I'm I'm immediately wanting to say moose, but I think that's just because... <laughs> <laughs> would, would the moose hold up? <laughs> Hell no. Oh <laughs> that would definitely spoil in a thousand years. At least it would collapse. Ooh, this is... This is... Yeah, what do you got? Trying to chew on this. I, you know, maybe like a hot dog of some kind. Hot dog. Hot dog. Yeah. Yeah, I crave hot dogs like once a year. I need that one New York hot dog every year. And then I go, okay, that's enough of that. I think in a thousand years, I would definitely have that craving. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. I would have gone the route like, my like douche apparatus or (laughs) (laughs) or technology in the future you know like you know something of like or uh or i like i asked the question and i myself did not have an answer for it or i'm like looking around my apartment or like you know like my golden girls collection Ooh, of items I was something that wasn't food i know i know it shows what we have on our mind yeah right yeah right honestly well i don't know i feel like i we're on the fence about this maybe you all are here for this i'm on the fence for sure Ditto. about this Ditto. yeah absolutely Figging Pudding Spam puts a seasonal spin on the classic canned meat. <laughs> love it. Love it. Oh, I'm God. all about it. I'm a spam diehard for life. Yeah. It's good spam. You, well, we like spam? Yeah. yeah. Love spam. Yeah. Spam is delicious. Yeah. Spam is delicious. But figgy pudding like a like a sweet and savory spam? I'll go with them. I wanna see I wanna see what their their food scientists can pull off. They are a technical, talented bunch, I think. They are. Apparently a while ago, and I didn't realize this, or maybe this was a food news that I'm forgetting because uh, we're almost at the five-year mark here. They released, they released a pumpkin spice spam that sold out in about seven hours. No. Pumpkin spice spam is kind of hard to say, too. Pumpkin and, so now, <laughs> and so now it's spam figgy pudding. Uh, the legendary canned meat spiked with the flavors of the traditional British Christmas dessert. And figgy pudding is traditionally made with suet, also known as beef fat. Mm -hmm. So the dish has a tenuous meat connection. From there, figging pudding usually gets its flavor from seasonal spices and dried fruits, which are many of the ingredients this spam opts for. Actually, this sounds kind of delicious. Like, you know... The variety features cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger, allspice, and cloves, delicious, along with popular winter flavor profiles like fig and orange flavors. That sounds lovely. I'm into it. Yeah, I I have a saying that I'll try anything three times just to make sure I'm doing it right. And I think that I would eat this three times. Really? It's available on Amazon. 
Uh, I'm looking it up now. I should have done this. Bing pudding spam. Is it sold out? These things, these things sell out so fast. And then people uh, buy them and uh, like resell them on eBay for like thousands of dollars. Like be- wow. Beanie Baby style. Spam mania. Yeah. Spam mania. Spam mania. Okay, but the question is how would we want to prepare this kind of spam? That's a great uh, question. That is a, a great question. Um, I can't find it anywhere. Yeah. That's so funny. How would, I mean, do, wouldn't we just like, you know, pan sear it and call it a day over some like crispy Brussels or something? Yeah, something yeah. like this you have that to enjoy great. straight up, I think. You need to really right? savor in the moment of it because you're not going to have it again, I'm sure. Well, right? Lifetime spam. Once in a lifetime. Oh, it's 20 bucks on eBay. Look at that. What Twenty five dollars on eBay, but it, you see what I told you? It it retails for ten bucks, but now like the price is up. Mm-hmm. Tricky stuff. Yeah, that is tricky. Yeah, <laughs> maybe with like a nice compote on top. Like I'm going super fancy here. Like you know, like a nice like little cherry like balsamic compote. Nothing too sweet. We need a, that acid in there. Yeah. Some like some you know bacon and Brussels, and then maybe. Maybe maybe a potato, maybe a mash or a parsnip yeah. mash. I love I love a parsnip like cri- Ooh. you know. Yeah. Did you say fondue? Pan uh pan perdue. Yeah. Like savory French toast. <gasps> oh, savory French toast. Wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah, we can can we even do like a stuffed French toast? Oh, like sure. Yes. Yeah. Or like you know how people do those like French toast loaves? Yes. Yeah. And like you you have it like running through the middle. Oh yeah. <gasps> right through the middle. So you nice Oh yeah. And then give me a runny egg. Yes. Oh, uh, I'm starting to get hungry actually. Yes, yes. We are here for this <laughs> spam figgy pudding. We have gone on a full fantastical journey. <laughs> full endorsement. Full endorsement. And last, but I mean, we're here for this. And last but not least, and I think this is, this goes hand in hand with the spam piggy pudding. Absolute releases a handbag that looks exactly like an espresso martini. <laughs> okay, as a former bartender, it is the most annoying drink to make. It is, <laughs> but, I, but if it's, it, it's like, I, they are good. I, 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 as someone who also likes to drink, I do like to drink them. But oh boy, it's so you know, so many moving parts. The best <laughs> one I've had. The best one I've had. And shout out to bartenders and managers Jose and Chris from Westville here in New York City. Mm. Um, ones in. At Westville Hell's Kitchen, and then ones in Westville, I think Wall Street. I don't know. They, those two, have made the best, the best espresso martini hands down that I've ever had. Um, but yes, I love it. I love it. I love it. But I get, I get the the we're tired of making them and seeing them. It's you know what I mean? A labor of love. Yes, and it is. Yeah, we love to do it. But maybe yeah. if you own your own handbag espresso martini, then you won't order it as frequently and there will be an equilibrium, you know? <laughs> yeah, I guess, because you don't want to seem gauche having two yeah. or, or like an alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Swedish-born spirit brand has partnered with the inexhaustible entertainment experts at 
Housed to launch the Absolute Espresso Martini Mini Soiree Hosting Guide, which sends a step-by-step guide to hosting the perfect holiday gathering to your phone or tablet. The guide, which promises a little glam, a lot of espresso, and endless cheer and joy, includes a multi-source Swedish-inspired menu, an ingredient-by-ingredient shopping list, a planning timeline and checklist, uh, customizable Evites, printable menus and place cards, and even a Spotify playlist to set the right vibe. But before you ask, what will I wear? And shout out to Food and Wine, who's not a sponsor but keeps me up to date on all my food news. Absolute has you partially covered on that front too. They partnered with designer Nicholas Bentel on the Absolute Espresso Martini handbag that looks like an espresso martini. Isn't that cute? That is, you know. <laughs> Yeah, the bag went on sale um, on Black Friday for, uh, you know, the mere price of 200 bucks, And I bet you it's already sold out as well. I'm sure. Oh, yeah. I, I'm sure. My only, my only critique of it, having not seen it even a single time, but <laughs> as a New Yorker having an opinion on everything, um, how big is this bag? Can we actually use it? Um, I mean, bottle? it looks like you could put a lip balm... <laughs> um, a small wad of cash and about two credit cards in oh, this yeah. thing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, an ID and your American Express, also not a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it's so, what you need. <laughs> so the the bag looks exactly like an espresso martini with like a chain a chain that is attached to the brim of the glass and the bottom of the glass. But then the actual purse part is um, this round like coin satchel off the side that looks like the espresso martini foam that you open and close. That's cute. You painted a great picture. It sounds really cute. It is cute. I'd carry this bag. Yeah, I certainly would carry this bag for sure. You know what? And with that, I think that's a great way to end Food News Update. Yes. Take that to uh, work with you today. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? If if you all are wondering what to get your girl for Christmas, I wouldn't mind an absolute, you know, espresso martini handbag. (laughs) (laughs) So when, so let's get back to it. So when do we see hags reopening here in the city? We're actually, we just started talking about this yesterday. We've been through this second round of construction, which, you know, New York is famous for its old and uh, decrepit, decrepit. I was going to say charming, <laughs> charming buildings. <laughs> um, so we, we've had to unfortunately uh, be a little dormant while we fix up our basement. Um, but it's looking like we'll reopen before the end of the year, just in time for our holiday season. Knock on Knock wood. Knock on wood, because you know yes. anything could happen. Um, but we're, we're getting really excited. We're doing our um, R&D for the, the new menu. We've got a couple new staff members that we're really excited about. It's just feeling really good, really, I don't know, like a glow up. Which is- Where did the name come from? Uh, so... Um, we, I don't know, went through a couple of different names. Trying Mm -hmm. to name a restaurant is hard. Mm -hmm. Um, but luckily, or 
just happenstance. Telly and I both used to um, play in punk bands when when we were younger. And naming a band is so easy. You know, any band that I've ever been in, there is probably about a month when a band is new where everyone in the band is, every other thing that they say is like, oh, that's a band name. That, mm-hmm. could, that could be the band name. <laughs> so uh, it's, you know, I think there's sort of a, a lower pressure to name a band than there is to name a restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were sort of banging our heads against the wall trying to think of a name and none of it felt like it had the juice. Mm-hmm. So we have this book that's called Supernatural Strategies to Form a Rock and Roll Group. And <laughs> it's literally exactly that. <laughs> Very like, fun book. Very tell you fun how book. to like host a seance to get Brian Jones to tell you, you know, like how to play guitar or, you know, whatever. But yeah. they have this whole section on naming and how important it is, you know, to, to name your group before it's before it really exists, which I guess you kind of have to do when you have a restaurant anyway. But we were thinking of let's just name the restaurant as if we were naming a band. Um, so thinking of sort of things in the theme and in the vein of um, terms that are maybe like not as common or popular uh, that represents femininity in their own way. So we were thinking of like Yoni's. However, I think there's a lot of like Greek restaurants named Yoni's. All I can think of are the eggs that you put inside yourself. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you had thought about Lila's, like love you like a sister, but I think mm-hmm. there were some, some bars already named that. Uh, and I was like, well, what about hags? It's kind of a good like double entendre, have a good summer, but also like we're old witchy ladies. Um, have a good summer. I didn't even realize a a bitch is all tiny. I can't, I'm forever Googling all these letters that, uh, that you people send out. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, who doesn't love a, who doesn't love a double entendre? Who doesn't? Okay. I love, I love. Has it had some polarizing reactions? Every now and then we'll be walking out of the restaurant and some like, Bro, we'll be walking by and be like, Hags, what is that? Like, who names a restaurant Hags? And, and we're like, like, Cool, don't eat here. Awesome. Like, perfect. Don't See come. you never. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it has like a lovely self selecting quality to it. Oh, Our yeah. guests, the people that we are lucky enough to feed, are the loveliest people. And I think it has a lot to do with getting over the hurdle of going to a restaurant called Hags. It calls to a certain group of people. Absolutely. That's important for us. Yes. I love that. I love that. That's incredible. Where did you come up with this concept of, you know, fine dining and also pay what you can? Yeah. So it's actually more intuitive for us, I think, than it reads on paper, mainly because we came from a shared background of doing these queer potlucks and also doing uh, work with Food Not Bombs, which was bigger back in the early 2000s. Um, but it was a, a way of distributing free food to communities. Um, and so that was really um, an important influence to us opening the restaurant. But we've also been working in fine dining for so long. It's what we do. It's what we're best at. Um, and we love the finer things. We're hedonists. We're gluttons. Mm-hmm. Um, we love to treat ourselves. We love to celebrate ourselves. We want to treat the rest of our community. We want to celebrate the rest of our community. So it felt like 
good bedfellows in a lot of ways. How do we luxuriate the community um, in this way by distributing food that's accessible on a sliding scale? And then how do we celebrate and create a space for celebration um, that also helps pay for the free food that we serve on Sundays? It kind of like really worked seamlessly together. Yeah, it's a symbiotic relationship, the two. And I think a lot of people maybe see them as being very contradictory, but for us, they're sort of like two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. That's incredible, especially in this city where it's so hard to keep keep the restaurant running right so it's a really interesting business model and if you figured it out amen you know because that's that's a really really special thing and very very unique and very you know very what we were talking about full circle at the beginning you know not only not only coming together as a community in and binding together you know in solidarity right which you're doing through food right but also like putting it out there and and keeping it like cyclical you know it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier where we're taking this piece of queer history and pushing it forward Mm -hmm. and i hope that other queer community members see it and are encouraged to do that with their future project or the thing that they are just starting to think about as they're entering their careers i absolutely love that i love that i love that well i am proud of you I, I hope you hear it on the daily for what you're doing um, and how you're doing it, because it's it's a really special, special thing and a special experience. I hear because I've had friends go that the food is phenomenal. Yeah. So I need I need to get my Puerto Rican butt there yes. uh, for sure, because I have seen I have seen the Instagrams um, <laughs> uh, of it all through, uh, you know, foodie friends and whatnot. And I'm like, oh, I got to go. <laughs> But I'm an old lady in bed with tea these days at like 9.30, so I have to push myself. Um, Give the kids all your handles, where they can find you, you know, all the things, please. So our Instagram for hags is hags, H-A-G-S underscore NYC. Mm -hmm. Um, We're a little quiet on there right now during the sort of um, Hiatus. hiatus, if you will. Hags on hiatus. Um, but we'll be back up and running and blowing up your feed. And I love that. Imminently. You literally could be hags on hiatus to, um, on Instagram, yeah. hashtag hags on hiatus love and it. like showing, uh, showing BTS. You see, I know that and not the K-pop group behind the scenes, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, of like restaurant, like, you know, you stressing over a menu, you yeah. know, <laughs> yes, this is. Hello, give us the content. Piece of drywall. <laughs> yep, you know, here's like 40, 40 pounds or 4,000 pounds of drywall going into the restaurant, you know? It's interesting to us. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You know, I mean, people love that sort of thing out there, you know? Sure. Uh, the, inter- the internet is a weird, weird place, as we all know, it loves right? To be weird. It loves to be weird. And if you haven't fallen down a very dark hole mm-hmm. on Twitter of reptilians, um, <laughs> if you're bored one day, do that. It's just very scary. <laughs> Lovely. That's what we're doing as soon as we log off of this. <laughs> I mean, yes, the the shapeshifter snake people that allegedly exist out there. Oh um it's it's really great. <laughs> I, my head. You know, honestly, I think I've met a few. Yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah. 
Oh my God. It's tied to all sorts of really weird and crazy things. So <laughs> just, just make sure you're in the right frame of mind and that you're not usurped by it. <laughs> yeah. I want to thank you both for spending your morning with me, for being on here, for giving me of your time. Um, this has been so special and I am so happy that you are now part of my, you know, big queer food family, my real housewives of queer food, as I call them, you know, <laughs> my real house people, I should say, of queer food. Um, it's really, really special. And I am so happy to have you here and that we've connected. Thank you so much yeah, for having us. You. This has been such a pleasure and so much fun. We can't wait to do it all over again someday. And can't wait to have yes. you in the restaurant too. Yes. That's oh it. my God. I can't, I, I need a, I need a BTS luck. You see, <laughs> <laughs> I can be young too. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. In your mouth listeners. If you are here for the holiday season and hags, right. With all the knocking on wood and all the good fortune and karma, uh, that is coming at them. Um, opens in time, please go visit them. Please go have the full queer experience and, you know, get, show them all the love on the Instagrams as well. I will put that all out in the liner notes. Um, other than that, if you are holiday shopping, um, I've begun a little. I bought nothing but presents for myself that I can't afford. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's not about... It's not about the gift giving, but it's it's about the quality time and and who you're spending it with, right? So um, that's what I'm going to leave you with today on my uh, Jerry Springer final thoughts. You know, you don't have you don't have to have money to spend, right? You can spend time, right? You could spend love. You could spend you could spend karma and good fortune to the community around you um, with all the crazy things that are happening in the world, especially within our own community. Check on your friends, because although we may not be in cities that are being highly affected by these things, the trickle down and the concentric circles certainly affect us all in very many ways. So check on your friends talk about it, have the conversations, because the more conversations and the more open we are with each other, the more binded we are as a community. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, oh my God, I didn't, <laughs> that wasn't planned either, but, but she's feeling her, her, um, you know, uh, <laughs> Brene Brown oats today. And other than that, as always, thank you for the love and thank you for listening to In Yo